0: amen good morning let's do that again good morning I want to talk to you for a few moments today on what's so amazing about grace grace is one of those things that that we have to have in our lives and I, I look at this passage of scripture found in 1 Peter 1 18 if you have your bibles if you want to turn there because you can because we are going to be looking at this uh, for a few minutes but the backdrop on this passage of scripture is sometimes overlooked i think the apostle paul gets preeminence and when we're talking about theology and and the church and, and the way to live he wrote most of the new testament and sometimes Some of the other authors, like Peter, are are somewhat overlooked. He's not as eloquent as Paul. He's not as detailed as Paul. But the words that he penned are vital to us. And I believe that this is a passage of Scripture that is as important about grace and why we're Christians. It's as important as any other in the New Testament. It was written by, by Peter. It's at the beginning uh, of the persecution of Nero in around 64 AD. The church is undergoing uh, some stress because of their faith. They're getting some pushback from the Roman government. They're getting, uh, we haven't, in America, we've seen a little bit of pushback on Christianity, but not to the point of being thrown in jail or, or uh, even taking your life. As other countries in our, in our world are today. But Peter knows this. He knows the church is going under a persecution. He's, he's, they're feeling the, the heat of, of the trials that are coming their way, and Peter is writing to them. And I really think it's important that when we look at it, Peter doesn't acknowledge, hey, I know you're going through a lot of troubles, and I know you're having a lot of bad times, and, and, you know, and let's have a pity party, let's do this, or let's do that, or let's blame the government for persecuting you. No, Peter doesn't say any of that. What Peter does say in verse 18, he says, for you know that you were redeemed. Wow, think about that. Remember that you were redeemed. They're going through these trials of life and Peter doesn't acknowledge the trials. He says, remember that you were redeemed. Why would he say that? I don't know about you, but I know in my own personal life, when things aren't going well in life and and I have a tendency to start focusing on the problems and not on, on the problem solver, it's good for me to get on my knees and begin to pray and remind myself that I am redeemed, I have been purchased by Christ. Because it gives me a different perspective on this life. I don't look at my problems and say they're all overwhelming and they're insurmountable, but when I get down and begin to pray and I realize it was the grace of God that bought my salvation when it was the grace of God that poured into my life, I, I'm able to look at life in a different perspective, with a different lens. I'm able to see it clearly that the things of this life are temporal, but what Christ has given me is eternal, and my real reward is not here, it's there. When we see life and in, in the troubles and the situations and the circumstances that all of us face from time to time, it's important to remember that we were redeemed. I love, he said, not with, you were redeemed from your empty lifestyle. Empty, void, void, vain. Sometimes we think of our lifestyle uh, outside of Christ as something important or significant. Uh, Sometimes you can look at the world around us you can watch the news and I can only watch a little bit of it because it really depresses me so uh, I have to watch the Brady Bunch or something afterward to make myself feel better um, well right now it's actually high five so it's, anyway uh, I regress but you, you, can, you look at all the news and you look at the trouble and you look at the turmoil and you look at the the political uh, venue that's around us and surrounds us and all the uh, the vitriol and the, and the hatred that's just pouring out of people and you look at it and you say what is this world coming to and and if you focus on that alone you will feel spare because this life no matter how good it is out and apart from Christ is void it's vain it's empty do you remember before you knew the Lord And the things that you would try to do to fill that void in your life, that emptiness in your life? There's nothing out there. There is nothing in this world that can fill the void in a a person's heart other than their Creator. It's the creation calling to the Creator and the Creator filling the creation with His presence. It's the only thing that is significant in our life. I don't care what achievements we have in this life, they will pale in comparison to our relationship with him. I've said this many times, especially at funeral services that I've spoke at, and as of yet, I've never seen a person that was getting ready to die that that said, hey, bring me my, my diplomas from Yale or Harvard or, or Stanford or, and bring me all my accolades that I have gained and, and bring me all of the money that, and the wealth and, and all the things that I've had in this life. I've never seen anybody that was ready to transition from this life to the next ever ask for anything material. In reality, what they really want is those that they love and that are loved by them, around them. They want that relationship with God and with people. It's important to understand that we were redeemed. Redeemed simply means to be bought back. We were bought back from bondage uh, uh, to death and sin. And that was uh, result of sin is this death. And we were in bondage to it. We, we had no control over it. We couldn't fight it. We couldn't. We weren't redeemed by silver and gold. He was saying you couldn't buy your redemption. There is no way you could pay a price for it because the price was so insurmountable to all of us that none of us had the ability to, to have our life redeemed by our wealth or our goodness or our intellect or whatever works that we would do on our own, no matter how noble they were. We cannot, could not redeem ourselves. And Peter wants the church, he wants us to know, to remind us that, that when things aren't going well, when life seems to be throwing you a curve, remind yourself that you were redeemed, not with your lifestyle, not with your thinking, but with the precious blood of Jesus. Amen. That we were redeemed with the blood of Jesus Christ. He was the only one that was perfect the only one that could be a sacrifice for us and he willingly came and lived and died and rose again so you and i can have eternal life we have been redeemed what makes grace so amazing because grace is what we receive from god without Uh, deserving it or, or it's what we receive from him and we haven't earned it he just freely gives it and he has a given he has given us amazing grace that he has taken our sins and put them on himself and he paid the price and the ransom for us that you and I though we are unclean can walk in the presence of God as though we are clean because the blood of Christ has cleansed us Are you catching what's so amazing about grace? When you look at grace, it is greater than anything that we could ever imagine. We let life drag us down and we keep our eyes down here. But when we do what Peter said, remember that you were redeemed, something amazing happens. We begin to praise the Lord in spite of our circumstances. We were redeemed by his blood. I don't know, maybe some of you uh, read a story this week about James Harrison, an Australian, 81 years old. When he was 14, he had a a serious accident and and had to receive five units of blood. It saved his life. So he decided that when he was of age, when he turned 18, he was going to give blood. He began giving blood at age 18. He gave his last, just last month at 81 because the doctor said you can no longer give blood. For over 60 years, every three weeks, he gave blood. But something was amazing about his blood. When he first started giving at 18, the doctors discovered that he had an antibody within his blood that could help other people especially pregnant women that had the rh negative factor they made a serum from his blood that they would give to women so they were able to keep their children as of today james harrison's blood his donation has saved over 2.4 million babies They call him the man with the golden arm. 11, one thousand one hundred and seventy-two times over the last 60 years, he has gone in and gave blood. And it's amazing. If you, if you look him up, there, there are videos that are, where he's holding little babies that would not have made it. But for his generosity and love, his grace of freely giving. We're all here today, and we're not recipients of James Harrison, but we're recipients of the blood of Jesus Christ that has given us eternal life because of his great salvation toward us and his love, his grace. And if you look at the passage of Scripture, notice notice that it says... that salvation is God's work. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but it was revealed in the last times for your sake. Salvation is God's plan. Salvation is not something that happened because Adam and Eve fell and then he said, oh wow, I need to do something to fix it. This was in part of God's plan before he ever said, let there be light, and before he ever created everything all the things that we know god already had a plan you are part of god's plan i want you to understand that you are significant because you are part of god's plan if you know jesus christ if the blood of christ has been cleansed your heart you are part of god's plan that you are significant that God has a plan for you. And the plan for you and the plan for me and plan for those that, that know Jesus as Lord and Savior is far greater than anything that we could comprehend. Scripture tells us that, that throughout the generations, throughout the eternity, when, when all of other, uh, the creation of God looks at us, looks at humanity, they're going to say, There is the grace of God. When they see us they're gonna say that group the body of Christ is the grace of God. We are going to be known as the grace of God we know his plan we know what he wants and God has given us and allowed us to be part of something that's greater than all of us. That The scripture tells us that Never one time, not one time, has God looked at an angel or a seraphim or a cherubim or any of his other creation. Never one time has God looked at them and said, you're my son or you're my daughter. And yet, here we are, humanity, made lower than angels. And yet, God said, I will die for you. So that you can be elevated above the angels. Do you realize that we are going to judge angels? What's so amazing about grace? Because he has elevated us to a position far greater than any of us could ever comprehend. It's it's incredible that we are called the children of God. The offspring of God. What does that entail? Well, we know that it has its eternal life, and its eternal life without sorrow, without pain, without death. But what does it look like throughout eternity? Scripture doesn't tell us. But we do know this that we are going to be like Jesus, that we will live forever in the presence of God. Wow. It's God's plan. Do you realize that you're part of God's plan? Let's go on. Look at verse 21. I love verse 21. Through him, through Jesus, you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him, so that your faith and hope are in God. We believe because of Christ. When, when we heard the story that Christ died for our sins and he rose again, we believed. And it's that belief in what Christ has done. We know that God raised him from the dead, and it gives us the hope and the faith to know that when when that trumpet sounds, that we too shall be raised. It's our faith in him we believe because of Christ. Because our faith is in what Christ has done for us. It's not in in the empty lifestyle of our own, own mind or understanding that was handed down to us from our forefathers, but it's in the blood of Christ. It's what Christ has done for humanity. That's where our faith and trust and our hope lies. Our faith is in Christ alone to redeem us. And The scripture goes on to say that we are purified by that faith our our faith we are purified by that by our belief in what christ has done Because it's not of our own works. You can't work your way to God. I know many Christians today that try to do good works in order to get to God. And and good works in our life are, are, are good things. But it's not in order to get to God. It's a response of a life that has already encountered God. When God comes into our life, the good works, the joy and the goodness and the mercy and the grace pours out of us because we have a relationship with god it's never because we want to receive a relationship with god does that make sense so when we are when we are walking in him we have that relationship and we have a a lifestyle that pleases him not because we want to get close to god but because he's already come into our lives and we want to experience and we want to allow that love to flow out of our heart. Grace is amazing. So what should our response be? Peter goes on to say that we should love. We should love sincerely. To have sincere love. It simply means love without hypocrisy. Without any, any feigning of our true emotions in existence Jesus loved all he met saint and sinner lame halt broken rich poor tax collectors widows It didn't matter to who to Jesus he loved everybody he came in contact with but if you notice the only people that that he ever chided were the ones that were full of hypocrisy that were pretending they were something that they weren't Jesus loves transparency Jesus loves when you and I are transparent with him. He loves it when when we're struggling with life and we talk to him and say, God, we're struggling with life. He loves it when we are honest with him and honest with one another. Our response to the grace of God, to the amazing grace of God, is to love sincerely, is to love sincerely. Sincerely from a purified soul. And the only way that you can love from a purified soul, according to Leviticus, the only thing that that cleanses a soul is the blood of Christ. Jesus' blood is our cleansing agent. If you really want to love sincerely, love with the love of Christ. Because the love of Christ has been shed in our heart. He goes on to say, not only should you love sincerely, but you need to love deeply That simply means fervently, passionately love those that are around you with a passion from your heart. We love God and we love others when we are all in. When we look at people as as lost and without Christ. When we look at people in humanity with the eyes of compassion that Christ had. The reason why Christ loved fervently because he understood the condition of humanity And when we do that, when we love fervently, it transforms our hearts. I saw a man yesterday. I walked out of a store to go get the car, and it was just pouring down rain because I was trying to be a good husband and go get the car. And drive it up under the eaves. And Nancy "You just get in. Because that's what husbands do. Even though I was, thought I was farther under the eave than I was. And she still got wet. Uh, <laughs> she extended grace. But uh, as I was waiting for the rain to subside. Man came to spewing profanity and racial slurs. And he was just so upset. And to be honest, my first thought was, "Why are you doing that?" But then it hit me. He is struggling. He's living an empty, void life, and it's full. And he's full of anger. He needs Jesus. And I began to pray for him, that the Lord would, because there was no amount of words that I could say that would would help him at that moment but when we begin to look at 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 people around us those that when we drive by and we see the homeless and we see we see those that that have need of nothing when we see those that are that are healthy and those that are sick when we see those around us humanity how are we viewing them do we view them greater than us less than us equal to us or do we look at them as recipients of the amazing grace of God or those that need the amazing grace of God when we begin to love fervently when we begin to love unconditionally when we love people just because they're people it transforms the way you think Peter went on to say not only should you love sincerely not only should you love deeply but you need to love from the heart I love that, from the heart. That simply means loving with no strings attached. Being all in. Everything that you do, you're all in. That that you understand that, that Christ came to extend grace to humanity, and we are recipients of that grace. And the greatest thing that we can do, our response, is to love sincerely and love deeply. And to love from the heart. Just extend love any way and every way you can to those around you. And perhaps they too can be a recipient of the grace of God. God has blessed us so much. He has truly blessed us with with grace. I'm going to have our our praise team come, and I believe they're going to lead us in singing Amazing Grace. It's a, it's a new song. I want you to think of the words of Amazing Grace. Because they are so powerful. What's so amazing about grace? Grace we didn't deserve it, we didn't earn it but it was freely given to us at a great cost and our response Christ came because he loved us and our response is to love him and love others amazing grace, how sweet the sound, would you stand with me